correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve. There's a Steve over there. Hi, Steve. And uh, we're going to talk some RPG-ish things here in a little bit. But before that, we've got a podcast of the week to shout out. Yeah, well, we got a couple podcasts for the week to shout out. We're going to shout out the Court Games family of podcasts. Yep. Court Games family of podcasts is a, another, well, family of podcasts. It's here on the D20 Radio Network. Actually consists of three podcasts, one of which is called Court Games. Second is called Fortune and Strife. And the third is called Crimson Gold Agonies. Now, all three of these revolve around Legend of the Five Rings. Court Games is... A little more about like the lore and some of the card game and stuff like that. It's it's a talk podcast. The other two, and I believe Fortune and Strife is the kind of more explainy version of their actual play. Co- not version, I should say, is their kind of more demonstration actual play podcast. They talk about you know they they leave in the dice rolls and and so on and so forth. Crimson Gold Agonies. Again, if I have these backwards, I apologize, but Crimson Gold Agonies, I believe, is the one that is done much more in the style of an audio drama, but with the game behind it. So if you're into Legend of the Five Rings at all, make sure you check those out. There'll be links in the show notes for the websites and so forth. Um, I think you can find them all if you go to courtgamespod.com. There'll be like links to the you know the other shows and whatnot, but uh, yeah, if you're into Legend of the Five Rings, check out the Court Games Family podcast. Yeah, very cool. Well, you also came up with a another topic for tonight. Why don't you sort of tell the audience and pitch me on it here? <laughs> All right. Well, so if if you haven't noticed, we've had a couple episodes recently that were kind of based around a word, and right. uh, well, I was listening to. Ken and Robin talk about stuff today. And that were they show talking was, about stuff? They were talking about stuff. And one of the stuffs they talked about was backstory. Yeah, that's something we can definitely, definitely talk about. Um, I Go ahead. Go ahead with your... I, and so I just thought, you know, and, and they were specifically talking about, you know, more from a player perspective, how to make a backstory that will dovetail into a campaign and i think that's important and and you know look the different people do things different ways right some people will write out page upon page upon page of backstory other people will be like yeah his name's bob <laughs> you know now extremes right i don't think there's anything wrong with someone wanting to write out page upon page of backstory but it can create issues and I, that then I also started thinking because, you know, Steve Brain, well, you know, in a sense, as GMs, when we pitch a campaign to players, we have to have some backstory of the world to give to them as well. So it's not as much as we typically think of backstory as the story behind your character. 
it has applications for the GM in the context of the world. And also, good GM, you want to incorporate player backstory at least somewhat because it helps them feel invested. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I never tell my I never tell my players they have to give me a backstory, but I always thank the players that hand me one. Mm-hmm. If that makes a lot of sense. I I don't feel there's a need or an onus to be like, okay, I need you to give me an elaborate backstory for your character. Because ideally, and depending on the system that we're playing, but ideally, when we sit down to play a game, your backstory doesn't matter as much as the story going forward and the story that we tell at the table together. That's just a fact. I mean, if you want to write an elaborate story for your character, that's cool. That's awesome. That gives me jumping off points if I don't already have those. But it's not uh, extremely necessary, if that makes any sense. Right. No, I agree with you. I think, I think, and, and this is kind of a thing that I like to do. I didn't necessarily realize it as such until Ken actually mentioned what he had a one of his players in an Unknown Armies game do. And he said his player came to him and went, can my character be under a blood curse passed down by his grandfather that he doesn't know about? And Ken was like, well, certainly. <laughs> now, obviously, yeah, Unknown sure. Armies is an occult horror game. And, right. you know, you just handed him something you to play with. You handed him a with. loaded gun. I, I mean, you handed him a loaded gun. <laughs> but, you know, that to me is the type of thing or or, you know, those kind of, I want to say vague, but I don't know if vague is the right word, but those kind of ambiguous things. I think those, because if, if you have sort of an ambiguous thing, and it, okay, I'll point to something that you experienced. Remember when we created characters for the ill-fated COVID-disrupted 2020 game? Yes. Remember what happened between most of the table and the life path prompts oh that God. that game builds into character creation. Yes. Now this was yes. Compl- it was uh, in in some ways it was a little silly, but people were having fun with it, and it it worked. Like <laughs> it was it was silly, and people were having fun with it. I mean, not much you can really say from there. But basically, they took the generic. You know, the you made an enemy. You have a a long lost sibling. You know, this stuff, and they somehow tied it together where like three of the PCs were like half brothers or something. It yeah, was, I remember them. They were like all kinds of, it was all kinds of craziness. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it was, it, it's interesting to see how care, how like little jumping off points. Somebody's backstory has a little jumping off point. You can make that a diving platform. Um, and it's, it's very much making mountains out of molehills. It's really interesting. Well, but see too, like, I think this is where Eberron, I think as a setting does this really well, you know, like there's a lot of this, again, vague is not the right word, but this like semi-defined stuff. And we know there's been this long ass war and certain cultures have some very defined things about them, but it's more like. Here's a bunch of, like, as you just said, here's a bunch of diving platforms. And I think a good way to write a backstory as a player is have these kind of diving platforms, right? 
I feel like, or I'll say from my perspective as a GM, if a player hands me a very detailed long backstory, that's very cool. It will give me some ideas, but I'll often also feel like, okay, they have all this detail. How can I actually use that detail? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And and that is a a question, not an inspiration. Like I've got this detail that I somehow have to incorporate where if you give me a little more of a diving platform, I've got, okay, you got this idea. I'm going to shape it a little bit this way and that way. And at the same, in that regard too, like that's also where I'll talk to the player and be like, Hey, can, can we do this with that? Yeah. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I don't just because in some situations now, obviously not with safety tools, but when we're talking about like a backstory that, that a player has written in some situations, I find it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Mm-hmm. I think it gives away some of the fun. I think if you can take uh, somebody's well-written backstory and find a point where it's like, and an unknown figure team and blah, 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 and you name that unknown figure, that really throws the players for a loop. They get really invested at that point. Um, I, I Like I said, I, I try to, if I, if I, if I feel like it might uh, like not offend, but you know, make a friction point. Maybe I'll ask first and be like, Hey, are you cool if I use this bit of your backstory to do something neat in the storyline? But if I don't, I'm just going to take it and run because you handed it to me and gave me express permission that this is your character story. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. And I will say, this is something I'm probably guilty of many times over. If you put stuff, you know, especially detailed stuff in your backstory, remember it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, if, oh, if your GM has gone to the effort to read your backstory and incorporate the details that you put in out of it and you don't recognize them, that's kind of a letdown as a GM. Yes, yes. I, that's why I try to tell people. Like, I, I understand I understand when people get very invested in characters, but I try to tell people when they're like, oh, can I write a backstory for my character? I'll tell them keep it to like a page, maybe like a page and a half. And the reason I give them that restriction is because I know for myself and then I also know for them, they're not going to remember everything that's written on that page. I'm not going to remember everything that's written on that page. Some of that stuff is just going to go over both of our heads and and it's just going to go out the window. Some words hit the page and then disappear. I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like limiting your players and being like, look, keep it to like a page of backstory helps you in the sense that you're not responsible for this 20 page book that they or 20 page novel that they wrote. And they're not responsible to write and expect you to hold to a 20 page novel. Right. That's it's, it's, I feel it's very much setting expectations with your players and being like, look, I am human. I can only handle this much information at a clip understand that if you bring me a novel i'll read it but i'm not going to retain every bit of that (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah and yeah it's it's a thing and i think too i'd completely lost my train of thought sorry (laughs) no 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 it's okay it happens to me a lot um but yeah and i think too like like you said if it's if it's kind of just a bit it's a little easier to to work it in 
but also I, I, as a player, a lot of times, if I have, you know, uh, we'll call it a framework of a backstory, I then kind of feel okay freelancing some involvement of my backstory in something that happens in the game. You, you know what I mean? Or like not free, free, free writing. I don't know if that's, you know, the right word either, but freestyling, there's where I was going. Freestyling. There's your, yes, my free thing. <laughs> but like, so I've got this, this concept in my backstory and, and to me, the backstory is, is it, for me again, not to say anyone else's, way of doing it is wrong um is is just sort of a skeleton of things that kind of helped mold the player the player the character into who they are you know what i'm saying right right and and to go back to the thing that i forgot about a minute ago like you were saying you know requiring it i i'm not a big fan of that i think like you said if you say hey you know keep it to a page or thereabouts it's not too much pressure if you're not working because look, not everyone plays these games invested at the same level. You know, I see posts from people online all the time that, Oh, I created this character and I have a, a, a 10 page backstory and I'm looking for a campaign to play them in. Well, you know, as a GM, that's almost intimidating, right? Because it, as a player, you now, created a vision of the world and if you have 10 pages it's got to be somewhat detailed but you know as right. a gm that's a lot to compete with basically it is i'm sorry i'm half distracted i'm just gonna put that down and get it away from me <laughs> um what was the last thing you said about like a, a a long detailed backstory is is effectively a lot for a gm to compete with Yes, especially if, that if as well. It was written, you know, absent of the context of the specific setting for the campaign. See, and that's where a lot of my like that's why a lot of times I that's why I do what well, like I said, I limit them to a page because I oftentimes remind people that, you know, their backstory can shape the world around them. However, Oftentimes I have something planned already and then have to shoehorn. And I know that sounds bad, but I have to shoehorn their backstory into the world at, at large. And that could be a me failing. And I'm sure our, people could argue that, but I feel like in a lot of ways, um, depending, you know, how do I, how do I want to put this? Okay. I think I got it. Depending on the type of GM you are, and the type of game you're running, it might make sense to have your players show up with a big, huge backstory, and then you build the world around that. Like, I've never sat down for a game and had players bring me characters before I fully had at least the first act plotted out. Mm -hmm. But I guess if I were to sit down to play something, and I didn't have the first act plotted out, and I sat down and I said, all right, everybody make me level whatever characters, or whatever type of characters let's say you know say we're playing star wars i want everybody to make me some uh, a ragtag group give me one jedi give me one smuggler give me a you know what i mean right like make me a ragtag group and they all sit down and they hand me backstories and then i shape the world like i build the world based off of their backstories i think you could easily take long backstories and, and incorporate them in that way but oftentimes <laughs> And I know it's true for me, and I'd imagine it's probably true for you. 
that um, you're building the world prior to having character backstories. Mm -hmm. And that's not me. This is not me saying, don't write a backstory. Don't, don't put the effort in. It's not worth it. No, this is me telling the people again, everyone that hands me a backstory, I always appreciate it. And everyone that doesn't, I'm not upset with them that they didn't. I just, I appreciate the people that hand me backstories because what it does mainly for me, a backstory to a character gives me leverage on that character. And that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing is finding out how to use a backstory for leverage. If, you know, let's look at John Wick's backstory. John Wick's backstory is that he has a dead wife and a dog, right? And he was an assassin. Uh, so we take and leverage the dog to make him act, right? Right. Say you hand me a backstory that tells me that you have a wife and kids at home and, you know, home is here for you. Uh, you know, not saying that I'm going to put them in direct peril, but I might like the bad guy might be like, Hey, you don't, you have a wife and kids at home. Like, can't, can't I put this little bit of pressure on you using that key? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's something that that's something that I think is really useful when it comes to having a character who has a really flushed out backstory. And I, I even really appreciate just a simple, um, he was a thief. He grew up poor, blah, 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 type backstory. But yeah, I got to switch headphones real quick. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, too, though, you just touched into kind of what I mentioned as we were starting this out about how backstory is, in a sense, what you're doing when you're setting up the world, right? Let me know when you're changed over. I am so sorry. I'm back. <laughs> No, 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 that's good. Did you hear any of the last bit I was going through, or were your other um, ones cutting out? Setting up the world, and then my headphones died officially. Okay, so yeah, as a GM, right, your your backstory is you building that world and, and, and the, the setting at which, at the point the players enter it. And I think, I think the, again, for, I'll call us minimal prep GMs, you and I, mm -hmm. where often we have a framework I think it's kind of important, and look, at this point, with the ease of using, you know, be it discords or Facebook groups or group chats or just, you know, multi-user text threads, however you want to do it, I, I, I feel like there's not really a good excuse for not kind of having a communal effort to kind of you know, GM presents framework, players workshop backstories that fit and mesh a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or or at least don't interfere. You know, I mean, we had, and I mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago, we had a listener come onto the Discord and, and mention, you know, they had uh, a couple characters in it, their players had brought for a campaign that, you know, they liked both backstories but they felt like the backstories clashed and you know the advice that that i think i gave or somebody gave anyway was you know well throw it back to them say hey look i like both your ideas but how can we make them work in the same party you know if, if you kind of establish that dynamic with character creation it is also going to lead I think, in my opinion, anyway, to a richer story and a richer play experience because it kind of creates this, 
I don't know, like this, this mutual ownership feeling, I think where the players all feel a little more invested in each other and the game itself. Does that make sense? Or am I like rambling out of my head here? No, that makes sense. You know, and I'm not saying that's going to work for every game. Like, you know, if you're playing a Pendragon game, maybe you do need all that richly detailed everything. Cause my impression of that game is that's a lot of what it's based around, but I don't think most of us don't play Pendragon. Right. Right. Yeah. I, this is another stump, like really hard concept to, to communicate. Um, well, I feel like though that's kind of why it needs talked about, right? To, to yeah, like, get it those is. Gears it's, turning. It's like all of these recent ones. Yeah. Um, you know, I, like I said, I just think that, like I said, you know, you could look discord servers are free to create. So, right. Make one, invite your players or invite your GM and your co-players, whatever, you know, not everyone's, I mean, discord servers aren't hard to set up. Lord knows I can figure it out, but you know, do that, do your private Facebook group or like I said, text messages, you know, you know, multi, you know, group text. Multi, there's the word. I was yeah. Group for. chats. You know, like there's a zillion ways you could do it. And I don't see anyone losing in that circumstance. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, ping ponging ideas. And I think especially creating backstory in context of talking to the other players at the table, that really helps as well. I, I, I think giving the players and a G and the GM a glimpse into your backstory creation gives them some freedom to be like, well, Hey, why don't you wiggle this in here and make this connection here? And then we don't have to do like, for me, I always like to like first sessions. I hate the, you meet in a tavern looking for other adventurers. So I like to sit down at like our first session and go, okay, tell me how you met. I don't care the logistics of it. I don't care. It could be a heist gone wrong. It could be anything. Tell me how you met. How did you meet this character? Mm -hmm. And watching the players be like, oh, you're giving me this agency. And then that also gives me the ability to like, I can jump in off of that. And that's a little bit of backstory for you to add. And for the people that don't do a ton of backstory, that's maybe enough for them to be like, oh yeah, well, I met them because I was hired to do this job and it kind of went sideways and we became real good buds because that job kind of went sideways. And it's, it, you know, and that also gives me the ability to be like, okay, so now I know this job went sideways. So I have a little bit of leverage on these two characters together and, Again, I think backstory, the biggest thing for me in backstory is as a GM, I use that as as leverage. I use that as a way to get your players drawn in and I use it as a way to, um, man, it sounds like such a gross word, but exploit the story of the players in a way that, that it, I can use, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a proper use of the term. It's just not the negative context that the word is usually used in. Right. Right. Well, I think too, and like a good example of this, I think would be if you go back and listen to our Monster of the Week actual play, where Ben, our GM for that, some of those character relation tools in that case are built into the game. That's how you do character creation. But I think if I remember correctly, he took it a step further and added some world creation stuff that he borrowed, I think, from kids on bikes to kind of set up the setting. and. 
look, uh, to me, getting, you know, up on my little soapbox here, that's the beauty of, of being familiar with a lot of games is there are tools like that you can borrow it because the concept of the tool is irrelevant to the setting itself. You know, even like we'll say the cyberpunk life path thing. Well, no, as it's written out, you couldn't use that for a fantasy game. But if you change a few things, you know, you know, I don't know off the top of my, you know, okay, you're not going to have, you know, corporate entities that your players were, maybe it was a noble or a foreign dignitary or, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. You know, beg, borrow and steal. Yeah. Yeah. Beg, borrow and steal everything. Honestly. Um, we've talked about that before with, with in context, everything is like, you know, your backstory, we can, you can borrow a little bit of this, borrow a little bit of that. Nobody will know the difference. Nobody's going to be like, Oh, well this is so-and-so. No. Well, and, and look, I'm going to say, you know, we talk about this a lot from the perspective of the GM, but if look, there's nothing saying that if you as a player want to use the cyberpunk background generation for your D and D character, you can't, you're going to have to tweak it and modify it, but okay. You know, make it fit the context. And it's all very vague prompts in, in a lot of ways, right? Like you have, you had a love gone bad that you're now, you know, maybe you're friends with, maybe they hate your guts. Yeah. Maybe you give them a name, but you don't necessarily, they're just out there in the world. And I think what that was written into cyberpunk for was to be the diving boards, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, we see that exact trope and, and, and we've talked again about borrowing tropes. Look at like Cassie and Andor. He had, you know, we had a whole TV show about like past relationships and, and all the crazy things that built to his backstory. Right. And stealing that and using that is quite interesting. You know, you want to play Indiana Jones. So steal Indiana Jones backstory and, and call him, you know, literally anything else. (laughs) Nobody's going to notice that, you punched Nazis in the forties, right? Like nobody's going to be like, Hey, that's kind of familiar. Yeah. Well, but even if they do, right, it doesn't mean it's bad. You know, like let's be honest. I've, I've joked about it, but I mean, star Wars and the lion King are the same movie. Basically. Yeah. I mean, look, even Nala's ears look a lot like Leia's hair. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and, and maybe I'm seeing the, you know, the, 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 um, the elephant graveyard cave on Dagobah, you know, like the parallels are there. And, and that goes to two, there's what, you know, the, the literary theory that there's only seven stories or, or whatever, but you know, it's beg, borrow, steal. And look, I'm not even telling you, you know, like I said, you could use the cyberpunk generation thing or, or, you know, any other games backstory generation stuff look this is a creative hobby if you're doing it you're probably a creative person i would think most of us are capable of improvising using that generation as a prompt for something that fits the setting we're in and i'm not saying that to say that if you can't you're not good enough to do this don't take anybody take it that way just that if you're doing this i feel like you you have those tools 
you may not be confident in them. And that's a whole other conversation. And Lord knows we could go for hours on all the things that I'm not confident in myself about doing in a gaming context. But I, I, I feel that completely. I feel we could do an entire podcast on that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to sock around and it's really interesting to it's definitely a thought experiment to put yourself through and, and ask yourself either as a GM or as a player and say, you know, how do I use backstory? How how do I leverage that? How do I um you know, how do I use my player's backstory? Or if you're a player, how do I use my backstory to influence the world that I'm playing in? Like that's it's it's a it's a really interesting thought discussion uh, that'll get your gears turning and maybe make you think about things a little bit differently. Yeah, and and like I said, I I like as a player, I like giving the GM some open-ended things in the backstory that are like here, here's a something for you to work with. Here's here's something for you to leverage against my character or to to put tensions into my character's thought process with you know i i think of it actively that way in a lot of ways like what can i give the gm as something interesting to be able to play with and you know the inverse of that right i appreciate it when players do that too right you know and i i think it also goes you know kind of without well not without saying because i'm going to say it but you also want to keep in mind you don't want to write a backstory that alienates you from the rest of the group. Like, I, one of the early characters I made early on in my gaming career was a Vampire the Masquerade character based off Leon from The Professional. It was a fun character, but looking back now, I realized I made a character that ran kind of parallel to the group, not as part of and it probably wasn't the best choice you know what i mean yeah i i feel that completely i've definitely written characters that it's like oh this character is very much meant to be a loner why do i have them running around with a group of people like and and realizing that sooner rather than later and maybe even just changing your backstory as you go and being like okay i need to make this character a little bit more likable so i mean it's it's definitely a thought yeah yeah, so like I, I don't know. I just feel like again, backstory is a thing that, like you just said, it's if you really think about it, it's it's it can be so much more than just how did your character get here, you know? But it, yeah, you know, yes, it's it's how they got here. But you know, if you think about your life, or if you you know, movies, characters, and books, right? There's always or almost always something coming back from their past that affects them. Won't say it always comes back to bite them, but in a role play, look, maybe it's a downbeat in your story, a kind of a calm, your couple of your players run into an old childhood friend and they just have a conversation and talk about that time that they blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? As no, that isn't dynamic, super interesting, but it, it can create because you do want to have that that roller coaster of drama and tension and you know that ebb and flow right you can you can have a, a peaceful calm wholesome moment that way you know as this little calm in the midst of the storm even right right exactly yeah it, 
the give and take and you know like you said the calm and the storm it's it's all it's all part of storytelling and and the backstories and all of that is is all or conversely and and i'm going i saw this I don't know, it was a little reels clip or whatever joke thing on Facebook this week. It would be kind of the inverse of that, right? It's got this guy on the golf course and he's like kind of running around hiding his face with his hat. And the person on the camera is like, what are you doing? He goes, and he, he kind of points and the camera pans off and you see a couple other people. He goes, that's my wife playing golf with my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Even silly things, little silly things. I I, I don't know. I I think I am out of steam on this topic. Fair enough. Fair enough. We've got a little bit of a show out of it. Yep. Do you want to move into Game of the Week? Sure. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. All right. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go first? I have a quick and easy one. Okay. It came out, I believe, uh, two days ago, the 20th or okay. the 18th. Um, it is called, I'm sending it over now. All right. Approved. Okay. So it's a social narrative game in it. Red tape is sacred and your dreams are just some paperwork away from reality. Every player harbors a dream. They just need a stamp of approval. The latest financial numbers have rolled in and they're astonishing. After years of grinding, your dream is finally within reach, but there's a catch. You need the thumbs up from the folks upstairs. Yep, it's time to brave the ultimate boss, convincing leadership that to let your dreams see the light of day, sharpen your pencils, and muster your wits. It's time to navigate the bureaucratic labyrinth. Um, I think this sounds like a lot of fun. It's a game. It's a it's a tabletop RPG about pitching your like crazy wild dreams to a CEO to fund them. Mm-hmm. Um, a la, it, it it almost has what well, has any of those um. You know, the the office red tape. Yeah, Shark Tank, but also like office space kind of feel. Paranoia has it a little bit of like watching over your shoulder and all that stuff. I think Mm -hmm. it seems like a really fun, it's pay what you want, simple, you know, fun, simple concept could be a lot of fun uh, with the right group of people and maybe some libations. (laughs) That or, you know what else? Do it as kind of a interlude in your main game. Yeah, even that. Set something out and then you just like, you know, for whatever it uses for character sheet, whatever, but have people, you know, have your players play this as their characters. Exactly. You know, like, and I'm just throwing this out there because we both love the way he played the character. Imagine Trevis Willingham doing this as Grog. Oh, yeah, that would be hilarious. (laughs) You know, or, or Grog and Percy going in to do this together you know like i feel like this is yeah this is a neat concept and and you know fun on its own but also could be like you know wedged into something else that you're doing yeah you you have one called approved so i have one called denied (laughs) no i don't i'm actually going down the uh i hit the wrong button on the wrong screen hang on uh the beg borrow and steal route Uh uh-oh my game of the week this week is actually a supplement for Warhammer Fantasy. Huh. Now it's PDF only, as far as I can tell. It is all of four ninety nine. It is their official tavern generator. It's called Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay: Taverns of the Old World. Now it's specifically set up 
for you to quickly generate taverns that feel like they belong in the Warhammer old world, which is gritty, you know, low fantasy, whatever. But again, inspiration, right? For five bucks. Yeah, that's a good inspiration. <laughs> that's a good tavern book just in general. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's 20 some pages. You know, it's professionally put together. I believe it's, you know, got some random tables and stuff. So again, you, you probably can't use it verbatim unless you're running in a, a setting very much like this. But Lord knows your players always want to go to a bar. Well, yeah, uh, you're, you could easily use this for any of your, almost any of your high fantasy settings with a little bit of tweaking and, and twitching. Right. And even probably you could use it for a gritty sci-fi setting. Maybe a little, it's going to be different tweaking and twitching, but you know, like I could see you probably now that I think about it, this would probably work well for like Slay Industries. Yeah, probably. Uh, wasn't there, I want to say a couple, uh, probably a couple of years ago at this point, we talked about a game that was like building a sci-fi tavern and running. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called now, though. I don't either, but I know that there was one that we had talked about, and I'm sure somebody's gone back through our catalog and is yelling at us, but... <laughs> you know, if we were smart podcasters, we would have some sort of, like, list in the Discord somewhere with all of the games of the week and the episodes, but... Just a spreadsheet. Just yeah. a spreadsheet. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Nor somebody do want to do that for us? We would really appreciate it if you would do that for us. <laughs> Now, I will say it was somewhere, I think, around episode 10 or so that we started putting the links in the show notes so you wouldn't have to go through and listen to all the episodes. Right, right. You'd be able to just go back and bloop, bloop, bloop. But that's still a lot of clicking and writing down. Oh, it is. It is. That's why I'm like, if somebody wants to do that for us, we would really appreciate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's mine. It's yeah, called that's cool. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Taverns of the Old World. Like I said, it's uh, and actually it's from Cubicle Seven, so it's like you know legit official product, uh, and and set you back all of four ninety nine US. So very, uh, very yeah. Neat. Well, with all that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, as always, links to everything are in the show notes. Uh, Facebook, uh, it's there. You can follow us there. Um, Discord, Patreon. Come join us on the Discord. You know, if you, you you know, if you can kick in a couple bucks, we appreciate it. Go to the Patreon, get some cool stuff there. I think you just dropped a new episode not that long ago. It's been uh, a while. I'm working on a new one. Working on a new one. Um, yeah. So with all that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening and remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.